Welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Today you will hear a word which purpose is to introduce the kingdom, change generations, and create a Christian culture. So grab your Bible and prepare to be blessed by today's sermon. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Now you see this, right? But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. The King James and the New King James uses the word nevertheless. The people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. King James said, let us go up at once. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. I wonder how the people who lived there made it. All the people we saw were huge. All of them? We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to speak to you for a little bit from the topic, fruit worth fighting for. Fruit worth fighting for. In life, there are some things you fight for and some things you don't. As a young man, I grew up around wise people who told me you have to pick your battles. In fact, when I got married, one of the smartest things anybody ever told me is, son, pick your battles. Because sometimes when you win, you lose. I need some witnesses here. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to know when to fight. And you got to know what's fighting for. Brian Courtney Wilson has a song that says, My relationship with God is worth fighting for. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered to the hearts of men the things that God had prepared for them. And he said, and that is worth fighting for. And I believe that whatever God promised you is worth fighting for. I believe, Ethel, that if God has put anything in your heart as true, you've read it in the word, Sam, and you've received it in your spirit. I believe that if anything gets between you and that promise, you ought to fight it. Uh. Uh, we need some fighters in this house. I, I believe that if any spirit, if any demon, if any, if any obstacle comes between you and what God promised you, you ought to be ready to fight that thing. 
And what I believe is that when you poise yourself to fight against the enemy, that the Lord will fight your battles for you. But God's got the first seed that you're willing to fight. Tap your neighbor and say, at least be willing, at least at least be willing to show some sign that you ain't going to back down and let the enemy just rob you of your destiny. I mean, show something. Come on, show some life. Come on, push him and say, have some life about you, man. Have some life about you. Ah, oh, somebody needs to declare, I'll fight you if you get between me and God. I'll fight. Devil, I'll fight you. I'll fight you. I ain't scared of you. Somebody better get bold in here and say, I ain't scared of you, devil. I ain't scared of you. You have people tell you, you don't bother him, he won't bother you. That's a lie. You sit there silently if you want to, and he'll go upside your head seven days a week. You got to be willing to fight back. These people are positioned on the brink of the biggest blessing of their lifetime. And they let some giants keep them from going in. I don't know about you, but I refuse to allow the giants of life to keep me from seeing the best that God has for me. Verses 17 through 20, though, chronicles what Moses told the spies to do in the land. If you look at numbers and you start at verse 17, you see that Moses gave the men these instructions. Now, listen to it now. As he sent them out to explore the land, go north through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are what? Strong or weak? Few, what? Or many? Now, I say that none of that matters. I say none of that matters because God had already promised to give them the land. So whether the people were big or small, weak or strong, few or many, didn't matter. We are taking too many things into account when God has already made a promise. We, we, we sizing too much up, doing too much calculating, doing too much ciphering, doing too much thinking. When God has already said, I'm going to give you something, it's yours. Look at the word give for a moment. The definition will be up on the screen. It means to put into the possession of another for his or her use. So what God says is, I'm going to put this land in your possession. Use it. I'm going to put this thing, apostle, into your possession. Don't worry about who has it now. Don't worry about how big the obstacles are. If God didn't mention them, they're not worth mentioning. If it, if it was something for you to be concerned about, I think God would have said something about it. He says, I'm going to give you this. All they had to do was receive it, right? Now, he, it says for your own use, for your use, for his or her use. So I just want to say this parenthetically, that if God gave you something, use it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, now, the second part, the second part of what he talks about, he says, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do the towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting what? First ripe grapes. 
So he says, okay, I want you to go in and I want you to see, have walls or not? Are they, are they, are they walled cities? Are they protected like Jericho, you know? I, I, I need you to tell me if, 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 if the soil's good for growing stuff. Now, part two is unnecessary as well. Because God had already told them what the land was like. Now, I'm trying to do this in 30 minutes, so y'all work with me, okay? Exodus 3 and 8 says, So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. Now, they're still in captivity now. And lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land. Is it on the screen? No? Well, it's coming. Flowing with milk and honey. The lands where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, what? Now live. Now live. They live there now. But they're not staying. God says it's yours, so they're there now. <laughs> I like the way God thinks. They're there now, but they're not going to be there forever because you're coming. And the only reason they've been there up to this point is because they were getting it ready for you. They were building houses, planting crops, and all you have to do is just walk into your blessing. Elder Smith, you're not going to have to break your back. You're not going to have to get dirt up under your nails. You're not going to have to do anything. You're just going to walk up into something that's already there. And the thing that you think is an enemy was what God used to establish it on your behalf. Somebody shout, my enemies are working for me. Ah, my enemies are working for me. They're just getting stuff ready. They're there now. They're there now. But he says, now look, he says, so I, this is what I've done. I come to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. So this is what Moses is telling them. I'm going to lead them out of Egypt into their own, their own fertile and spacious land. Okay. It is a land flowing with milk. So why, Moses, are you asking them to tell you what kind of land it is? Why are you so concerned about the size of the people? Why are you concerned about whether they have walls or not? God said, this land is yours, and I am going to give it to you. I love this. Now, none of this was for the sake of Moses, you see. None of this was for the sake. It was for the sake of the people. I want to see now the scripture. When we read the scripture starting, it said the Lord said send the spies. Okay, so, you know, we would just gather from that that God was sending them on this spy expedition. But let me back up to um, Deuteronomy for a moment. We're going to do the Deuteronomy, which is the next chapter after Numbers. And Moses, he had a moment we had to get them straight. Because the children of Israel had this knack for getting out of order. And every now and then, God would release Moses to remind them about themselves. So this is what he says in, in, in chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 20. I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites the Lord that, um, that the Lord your God has given us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy. It is that the Lord, your, the God of your ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So Moses said, when we got to the promised land, which we're looking at here in Numbers, he said, I told y'all, go get it. 
I told y'all transcend. I told y'all live at the next level. Oh, here we go. But you all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. Now, why would you be trying to pick out which towns to go into when God said it's all yours? All right, now, now this is them now. Uh, this seemed like a good idea to me, he says. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribe. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us, and they reported the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. So Moses is like, what you complaining about? You're the reason you're in the wilderness. You're the reason that y'all dying out here. Don't blame me. Don't blame God. God got you out of Egypt. He brought you to the promise. He set you up to prosper. But you got intimidated by what you saw. You let fear and intimidation keep you from walking into your transition. You let fear of what was facing you keep you from living at the next level. I mean, going into Canaan. The giants kept you from transcending. I mean, going in. It's too hard. They say, nevertheless, everybody shout, nevertheless. Nevertheless Nevertheless means despite all of that. They say, yeah, it's a good land. It is exactly what God said. Let's look at this. Let's look. They said God was right. He told the truth. Here is the fruit. But despite all that, we can't have it. So here's what gets me now. They go into the land and they come back. They come back now. They come back and they say, listen to this now, Jakima. It is flowing with milk and honey. Look at the grapes. Now, when they say look at the grapes, Elder Smith and Elder Darian come walking up. With grapes on a stick. Grapes so big. They got to carry the grapes together. And they're not strutting with the grapes. They're struggling with the grapes. And they bring that. Could you imagine if you went to Publix? To buy some grapes and it was so big your whole family had to tote them. So, so now you get, you get that, you, you, you're suspicious about what God said anyway because you're not trusting. So you're suspicious. You get there and you find out the land is everything God said. And you bring back grapes and, and, and figs and pomegranates. You bring all that back as proof. You sit it in front of the people and then you say, but we can't have it. You're saying God has not lied up to this point. But he lying about us being able to have it. All up to just now, God's been telling the truth. If you, if, 
if you let God get you as far as you are and you refuse to go in, it's because you think God's a liar. Somebody better tap their neighbor and say, I'm going in. Elder Smith, I don't know what to do with them folk. If I was Moses, <laughs> huh, you too? I'd have been like, what in the world is wrong with y'all? God got y'all out of Egypt, brought you here. Let me ask y'all a question. How far have you come? Huh? Huh? Have you been freed from Egypt? You sure have. You sure have come out of Egypt. And let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God will bring you up out of Egypt to just let you fall dead in the desert? So if we are in the desert of life, it's not God's fault. It's because we rebelled by refusal. So you don't have to rebel by acting out. You can rebel by not acting at all. I really want to reach out to people who have a big, bold, brash vision. The problem wasn't the land. The problem wasn't the people in the land. The problem definitely wasn't God. Going to spy out the land, going to spy out the land wasn't even the problem. You see, here's the thing. God, you see God in, in, in Numbers, right, saying, uh, tell them to go and spy out the land, right? So you would think that God was the one who came up with the idea, but then we look in Deuteronomy, and Moses exp exposes the fact that the idea didn't come from God, that the idea was Israel's. But here's what God did. God said, since that's the way you want to do it. <laughs> see what I'm saying? So see, sometimes we... <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes we'll say, God told me to do, and that wasn't what God wanted. Come on now. But God will say, well, since that's the way you want to go about it. So we have to be careful <laughs> that what we're saying God said wasn't our idea. God said, go get it. He didn't say nothing about spying nothing. So going to spy out the land wasn't even a problem. It wasn't a, going to look at it ahead of time. That wasn't a problem either. You want to know what the problem was? The, it was 10 of the people who went to spy out the land. That was the problem. Now, you have to remember, there are over a million people coming out of Egypt. Ten people kept a million from going in. The spirit of ten, because it only takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. What does this teach us? You have to be careful about who you listen to about what God promised you. Now, if God promised you healing, you got to be careful the sick people that you sit around. Because some people have subscribed to being sick. 
If God promised you wealth so you can be a philanthropist, you got to be careful about some of the people you sit around that don't have anything who want to quote scriptures like the poor you will have with you always. And the reason to always be poor is because some people just got comfortable being poor. So look at your neighbor and say, be careful now. And let me say this to you. Don't get sick of people who challenge you to get up and try. Some of us get tired of people challenging us. Well, you need to get up and do something. You need to go. You need to be about, what did you say? Didn't you tell me? Because I'm going to tell you something. I got some friends. You better not tell them God gave you a vision. I'm going to tell you right now, don't you Facebook Antonio Neal about none of your visions. Because if you do, he will bug you until you do it. I told him about my book in 2013. That boy aggravated me for two years. Where's the book? You're writing the book. How many pages have you written? How many chapters? Where's the book? Why hadn't you written the book? You ain't started that book yet. I'm going to tell Leslie. Go get that book. I'm like, stop it. I wrote that first chapter and I said, here. Getting on my nerves. But those are the kinds of people that you need around you. You don't need anybody who is afraid to try because they failed poisoning your spirit. How in the world can you keep me from going in when the grape's so big, two people have to carry them? I might be crazy enough to say, I'm going to fight, bro. I'm, you better, give me my sword. Give me something. The grapes are that big. I know that's right. No, no, no. Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this. Let me tell you what was wrong with them. They lacked heart. They lacked heart. They didn't have heart. You see. They were encouraged by the land and discouraged by the giants at the same time. <laughs> so they were excited about the land. But in discouraged by the giants all at once. So they had conflicting emotions. Because there's no way you could carry grapes like that back and not be excited. But every time they took a step with the grapes, they got scared because of the giants. Oh, I know this word is for somebody in here. Somebody in here, you've seen the fruit of where God told you you're supposed to be. <laughs> but you let the obstacles keep you from going in because you're scared. I wish somebody, just some real people would raise your hand in here. I need some real honest people that you've seen the fruit, but you let the giants. So you have conflicting emotions. You're happy on one side, sad on the other. Somebody say, I'm not conflicted anymore. Now, you hadn't even heard why you shouldn't be conflicted, but by faith, you just confess that you're no longer conflicted. I refuse to be happy and sad. You understand what I'm saying? I refuse to believe for healing and then cry over a doctor's report. I refuse to believe God for blessing and then cry over a bill. The devil is a liar. Look at your neighbor and say, pick one. 
I cannot believe that you can't be encouraged. You can't be happy and skipping. Right, Warner? I'm talking, but you coming in with big. So imagine the figs and the pomegranates then. If the grapes are that big. What they have to do, drag those? <laughs> I'm just saying. You see the produce of the land. You have witnessed that it's flowing with milk and honey. It's everything God said. But then in the back of your mind, giants. Don't you hate that? I just want to have a conversation. Don't you hate when you start believing God and then that little voice from back here behind this ear right here says, giants, you can't do that. And then somebody comes and they bring grapes and go, look. And then you say, yes, God. And then when the excitement settles down, and you get through shouting, the voice says, giants. Why are you eating it? You ain't lying. You ain't lying. I've been blessed and couldn't enjoy it because I thought something was going to go wrong. Anybody here been, anybody here, you were broke for so long that when you did get some money, you couldn't enjoy it because you were scared something was going to happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Me and Pastor were broke for so long that when we did get a blessing, I was. <laughs> I was scared to have fun with it. Buying a new car and hiding at the house. Driving the church in the old car. Oh, the devil is a liar. I wish I had somebody here. Oh! Leave the new car at home because we're scared of what people are going to say about us. We Oh, God, help me in here. But you know what the Lord said? I gave it to you. Use it. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody in here? <laughs> I got to hurry up. I'm using too much of my time. Real talk, though. Real talk. Let's settle down. Real talk. There are likely to be some giants in the way of your promise. That's real talk. There are likely to be some giants in the way of your promise. You just, that's, that's going to be, that's a likelihood. That there's going to be an enemy. <laughs> Standing in front of your promise. Saying, come on. My assignment is to stop you. I mean, it's likely going to be that, right? You've seen that. But here's what God is saying. I hope the screen is ready. God is saying, we got this. We got this. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? See, this is what you have to remember when you see the giants. You have to rehearse in your mind, if God be for me, then you can't stop me. Whatever the giant is, it is not big enough to stop you. See, they forgot what God had already done. And they were looking at the wrong people. Somebody said wrong people. They had the wrong perspective. They had a human perspective. 
Perspective is how we process what we see, hear, or experience. Everybody processes it differently, you see. Uh, Some of us, we look at something and some of us will see, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's a little bit cloudy. And some of us will say, "Look look at the sun peeking through the clouds. And then another person will say, it's cloudy out here. And then it'll be raining, and somebody will say, look at the Lord's rain. The flower's going to be beautiful this year. And then somebody will say, I'm sick of all this rain. (laughs) See, you always have people who view things from different, come on, perspective. Somebody see you get a little overtime on the job, and somebody saying, bless your Lord. You supplied me with all my needs according to your riches and glory. And somebody will say, man, I'm ready to go home. Come on here, somebody. Everybody's seeing things from different, what, perspective. They had the wrong perspective. They had a human perspective, you see. Because from God's perspective, Listen to this now. It was already conquered. It was already conquered. It was done. God sees you in your promise. He's not looking. He, God's not intimidated by where you are currently. And this whole grasshopper thing. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we are in their sight. How do you know? Did they say that you were grasshoppers? Or are you letting what you think about yourself control what you think other people are thinking about you? Isn't it something when you think somebody thinking about you and they're not even thinking about you? Somebody needs to Facebook that one. That's a good one. Sometimes you think somebody thinking about you, they ain't even thinking about you. You over there upset about it and they like, I ain't thinking about you. They over talk over talking about going to KFC to get a fried chicken box. And you over there, they're talking about me. Ain't nobody talking about you. They're talking about the fact that KFC is finger licking good. Come on here, somebody. They not even they didn't even mention your name. But see, what we do is we allow what we think about ourselves to be transferred and think everybody's thinking that. You think you're not good enough. So you won't go for the job because you think that they will think you're not good enough. You will not pursue the dream because you worry about people not supporting you. God said it's yours. If he supplies the dream, he supplies the vision, he'll supply the people. My dad has always told me where God guides, God provides. Come on now. Preach it over there in the corner. Look like a preacher. Sando. How much time I have, Pastor? I got to quit. Now, last week, this sermon was inspired by a friend of mine, I'm, my friend named Paul Little. And uh, we're going to shout at him in a minute, minute on Facebook. We're going to hit him up. My friend said something. It blew my mind. This grasshopper thing, we, we do. We tend to have this grasshopper perspective of ourselves. And so that's why the giants look so big. 
because we see ourselves so small. The problem is not the size of the enemy. The problem is with how we see ourselves. If you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, you won't let no giant stop you. <laughs> so my friend Paul Little told us, he said, I want you to say this. And we didn't know what we were going to say, but I was ready because he was preaching good. He said, I know it's not correct English, but this is how it goes. I ain't no grasshopper. I need everybody in here to stand to your feet and shout, I ain't no grasshopper. <laughs> you are a child of the most high God. <laughs> oh, somebody say to your neighbor, I ain't no grasshopper. I don't behave like one, don't think like one, don't look like one. High five your neighbor and say, show enough. I'll have a seat. I'm about to close. I'm about to close. I'm, it's time to go. I ain't no grasshopper. <laughs> so if you're on Facebook, at Paul Little, hashtag, I ain't no grasshopper. <laughs> Stop. Stop letting your, you got too good of a history to let these giants stop you. See, if you keep looking at you and you keep looking at the giants, you're not going to make it because you're looking at the wrong people. If you don't look up, you can't go up. Or as Edward said, you can't go up looking down. A lot of times, man, we focus so much on what's in front of us. You see, God puts a calling on our life. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking You know. He puts a calling on our life. And the weight of the calling seems so heavy. And God's saying, but I called you, though. I told you you could have that, Donna. I said you could do that. Y'all see what I'm saying? I said you could transcend. I said you could live at the next level. Pastor Taylor didn't come up with that. God gave him that. He said you can be depression free. You can live your life in peace. That's not unattainable to you. The moment you begin, Sam, to believe you can live your life in peace, you know what the devil does? He puts a giant in front of it. But the fruit of peace has to be worth fighting for. You see where I'm going? Your kids graduating college has to be worth fighting for. Your marriage has to be worth fighting for. Your sanity has to be worth fighting for. Because each thing you achieve has fruit. Each, each thing 
you attain has fruit. Each promise, Carolyn, has fruit. And you have to look at the fruit of it. And you have to say, this is worth fighting for. See? They had to look past the giants and look at the fruit. God had produced fruit of his promise. But they didn't think it was worth fighting for. So they wouldn't go. They wouldn't go. Because I'm going to tell you, Smitty, always going to be giants to fight. But you, my son, are an overcomer. No giant can stop you. None. See, that's why whenever you get, like you get promoted. Anybody ever been promoted? And then the devil come. Right then. And what's that to get you to do? I'm not going to preach about it today, maybe next week. In chapter 14, they start talking about electing captains to go back to Egypt. They start saying, forget Moses, forget Aaron, forget, forget, forget Caleb. We're going back to Egypt. You mean to tell me you're going to let the giant scare you so bad you're going to go back to hell? So Caleb steps up and says, no, nah, this fruit's worth fighting for. Let's go up when? At one. You know what he's saying? Stop thinking so much. If you find yourself standing in front of your promise, <laughs> the next time you catch yourself standing in front of your promise, looking at it saying, mm, I don't know, stop thinking and just... I'm going to tell you, you think long. Everybody in here, you are who God said you are. You don't even have to fight to become that. Sitting right where you are, you are who he said. Right where you are in your seat. Lift your hands. Everybody lift your hands. I'm finished. Right in your seat, you already are who God said you are. Now, what you have to do is in your seat where you are currently, you have to begin to see yourself as who God said you are. You have to stop fighting against that because of your circumstances, see? See, God made promises about your marriage. He made promises about your finances. He made promises about your health. He made promises about your career. He made promises about your life path. And what you have to do is you have to go ahead and reconcile in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit what God said. Because you believed it, but then you started thinking about the obstacles to it. And the longer you thought about the obstacles to it, then you started thinking maybe it can't come true. But I want to give you proof that God's able. He already brought you this far. See? See, you were locked up, held down by an enemy, and you couldn't get loose on your own. You couldn't have gotten this far if God didn't bring you. I feel the anointing right here. You couldn't have made it this far if God wasn't blessing you to get here. He brought you here so he can take you there. Come on. Somebody just said, if he brought me here, he can take me there. I receive that now in the name of Jesus. If I'm this far, if I've come this far, I can go that far. That's the truth. So that's... That's, that's it. That's what we have to believe. And we have to quit fighting. And we quit, have to stop having a grasshopper mentality. 
Think about what you overcame to get here. Think about the fact that he used all those, all those things to get you out of the enemy's hands. Think about that. Think about the fact that the Red Sea opened up and you walked through on dry land. Think about it. Think about the fact that you got to the Jordan and the priest put their feet in the water and it opened up. Think about Jericho. Come on, think about it. All y'all did was march and walls fell. How, how can we believe God and then see these miracles? We have a trail of them. Charlotte, we have a trail of them. We have a trail of them. Honey, we have a trail of blessings. Chapter 13, chapter 7. Let us to foreclose. Let us to come get cars. We have a trail of them. There ain't no way we can stop now. Ain't no way we can stop now. Hey, I feel an anointing here. Ah, no way, no way. We've been through too much. IRS letters threatening to come on, y'all. We've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Come on. We survived so many things. Marriage almost broke up. But here we are together. He brought us a trail. Somebody say a trail of miracles. A trail of blessings. And if he did that for me, I can't be no grasshopper. He ain't going to do that kind of thing for a grasshopper. Kept my mind. When the enemy was oppressing me from every side, kept my mind, kept my mind. Come on, lift your hands if you know what I'm talking about. He kept my mind. The enemy was trying to make me go crazy, trying to make me give in, trying to make me quit. Anybody know exactly what I'm talking about? Just bombarding me from every side. But, but he kept me, he kept me, he kept me. He kept me. He kept us, mother. He kept us. kept us bullets flying past our head driving home drunk don't even know how we got home car in the driveway we don't even know how we got in the house all we did was look down at the car and say thank you jesus smoke stuff that other people rolled up could have lost our mind i wish i had a witness in here but god but god but somebody shout but god accident didn't kill me come on here ah the car was tore up and i was standing on the outside of it i'm giving somebody's testimony today you've been through it things that would have killed other people didn't kill you Portia you're still here other people would have lost their mind if they had to go through what you went through Portia but you got a testimony and now you're singing to God's glory and you're telling other people that God is able to do it oh it's because God's brought you out of one thing you've come out of Egypt already somebody say I am out of Egypt just because the enemy keep trying to get you back doesn't mean you're not free from it I need everybody to say, I am no longer in Egypt. So I got to get Egypt out of my system. I got to get Egypt out of my system. Come on, right now. Come on, lift your hands. Say, Lord, get Egypt out of my system. Sheree, you can't go into Canaan with Egypt in your system. Let me hold your hand. Yeah, God bless her. Take her places, big places. See, see, the thing is, the thing is, here's what I recognized when I was hearing this word because it spoke to me. 
I'm thinking, God, I'm in Macon because you opened the door in Stone Mountain. Now, I ain't asked for Stone Mountain. You gave it to me. But I'm standing, I'm, I, can I be transparent for a minute? I'm in, I'm in Stone Mountain wondering why I'm at Stone Mountain. I'm standing there. I'm, I'm, sta- I'm there. And I'm fighting with being there. The fact that I'm there means he wanted me there. I belong there. You got to start knowing you belong. And the reason you belong is not because of you, it's because of him. Whatever he promised you, Cherlisa, Prelo, Patrick, Sam, Albert, Donna, Nelson, Eric. What's his name? I know, Kim. I'm talking kind of like Eric. I'm thinking about my friend. Everybody in here, whatever he promised you, that's yours. And you don't need to stand at the door of it. Questioning. That's Egypt. Egypt will make you behave like a grasshopper. So you have to say, no, 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 no. If God brought me here and my promise is there, no matter what it is, here's what I believe. How many people in here believe in God for financial blessings? How many of you believe in God for your career? How many of y'all believe in God for physical healing and, and things like that? If he can part a Red Sea, if he can make a wall fall with steps and a shout, he can heal you. He can bless you. He can promote you. He can fix your marriage. In fact, if he can do what he's already done in your life, what about God's history with you says he can't do this next thing? Is there anything about y'all history that says he can't do this next thing? I don't know about y'all. Next time a giant comes between me, what God promised me, I'm going to get him. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm going to get him. I'm a, I know that's not proper English, but I'm going to get him. He got to go. Right, Pop? He got to go. He can't stay between what? You going to do what? You going to keep me from going where? You about to fall today, bro. Because I'm going to tell you, if, giant, if David could beat one, I can beat one. <laughs> In fact, I believe giants are made for falling. <laughs> you know what one commentator said? Giants so big, they don't have good footing. They can't be agile and quick. You have the upper hand. (laughs) I love you, Lord. Thank you, God. 
But our children are worth fighting for. Our marriage is worth fighting for. Our, our sanity is worth fighting for. Our relationship with you is worth fighting for. Our peace is worth fighting for. Our joy is worth fighting for. The vision you gave us is worth fighting for. My health, my healing is worth fighting for. Our babies are worth fighting for. We will not stop short of your promise. Not today. Not ever. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the word today. We pray that it has been a blessing to your life. We invite you to join us in worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 841 Crossgate Road in Port Wentworth, Georgia, 31407. We hope to see you soon.